Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Thursday, August 14th, 2014, and this is episode 1407 of the survivalpodcast.com. And I have coming on the air for you someone we've heard from quite a few times before, Xavier Hawk, he's going to be here to talk to us about permacredits, which isn't quite ready for full-on launch yet, but the website is up, and he is getting things ready to go. He's got an amazing story to tell you about how he is working to create a Bitcoin-style currency, but based on really more of a Bitcoin 2.0 protocol. And I think that you'll find this very interesting, even if it's not something you want to directly participate in, to think about how we can change things in the world. I tell you every day, stop watching the TV. I have a little segment on that, by the way, in a little bit for you. And I tell you every day that you're wasting your time worrying about shit that you cannot influence or change. That every single bit of energy that you spend focused and angry on something that you do not have any influence over is energy stopped, st stolen and robbed from you. Stobbed from you. Is that stolen and robbed together? Stobbed from you? Energy that's been stobbed from you. You sound like a delusional congressman you'll hear from later. Anyway, and the one, and I get through to most of you, but then what I get back is, well, then what the hell do we do? And you do the things you can do. But the reality is, and this is what people don't get, well, if we just went back to the Constitution, okay, the Constitution's how we got here. Whether you want to admit that or not, well, they didn't follow it. Of course they didn't follow it. This is how government works. This is how government works, for those who don't know. You give government limited power. It uses the limited power it has to give itself more power and more power and more power over time. The more limited a government, yes, the more prosperous a society will become. But the more prosperous a society will become, the more of a tax base the government will have. The more of a tax base the government has, the more power it can exhort. Therefore, the government that small, starts out the smallest and most limited will become the largest and most oppressive. Sound crazy? Look at the United States of America today. And what does that have to do with today's subject on permacredits and a new economy, a new way of running, running a monetary system, a private monetary system, by the way? I'll tell you what it has to do with things. A wise man once said, you cannot solve the problems of the present with the thinking of the past. In other words, if you think you're going to use the things that caused the problem to fix the problem, you're delusional. Not going to happen. Can't happen. Impossible. Not going to happen. Got it? So in other words, well, we need our better, you know, to elect better officials. Well, electing officials into the system of government that we have has created the problems that we have. But in the beginning, oh, in the beginning when people were allowed to own each other? See, it you you can't just say, well, if we just went back to whatever, because this this government and your nation and the 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 oligarchy behind it has grown in power every day since its founding. Was it more free, you know, in, in 1870 than it is today? Of course it was. That doesn't matter. The progression toward tyranny began the day the nation was established. The first thing our new president did, our first president, Mr. Washington, 
would send the National Guard into Pennsylvania to put down a tax revolt before he even warmed up his, his, his seat behind his desk with his ass. He had already put down a tax revolt. You think about that. And this moved forward. Again, I'm not saying we weren't better off in the past. I'm just saying this is the result. This is where we've gotten to. What that has to do with today's show is that if you want to change the problems of the present that were created by the past, you need radical new thinking. And radical new thinking will always be violently opposed in the beginning and, and ridiculed and mocked. And generally, if it works, it's then embraced as self-evident truth, and all the people that mocked it and ridiculed it uh, claim they never did. I think that's what we're seeing with virtual currencies. Greater and greater adoption of, of things like Bitcoin. Greater and greater proof that it can be stable. And now we're going to talk about, well, where do we go from here? And how can that change the future? Instead of voting with your vote for one of two that you don't want either one of, what if you could vote with your time, your energy, and your value as a human for the things you really wanted and ignore the things you didn't? Can that be done? The honest answer is, I don't know, but I can tell you that that's what Xavier is trying to do. So more on that in a minute. Before we get Xavier on the air, let's go ahead and uh, take care of our sponsor. Sponsor of the day number one today, BulkAmmo.com. Hey, do you see what happens every time one of those tyrants says, hey, maybe we need to look at banning guns? Well, guns go up in price and ammo disappears. Right now, ammo is, is readily available except for .22 long rifle. I would stock up, and if I was going to stock up, I'd go to BulkAmmo.com. Why? All the common calibers you probably need and have and want to stock are available there. Lightning fast shipping. I mean, light like your neck will snap. Like, how is that here already? That kind of shipping. Uh, really great pricing and really great people. Long-term supporter of the show. Been with us over three years. Next up today, Ready-Made Resources. Ready-Made Resources has been with us almost as long as anybody. Uh, I think they, they, they showed up about a month after Savecastle. So they've been with us over five years now, too. They have all the resources you need ready-made, ready to go on their website, point, click, and buy. Uh, they are just an awesome company. I say they're the company that is what it says and, and, and does what it says. And they, that's what I mean when they say ready-made resources. That's what you got. Everything from practical to tactical, guns to gardens, everything in between, solar, wind, 12-volt appliances. If you can think of it, they've got it. And I do mean tactical. I mean firearms. You have to have it shipped if you're not, you know, in their state. You have to have it shipped to your uh, your dealer. But yeah, they got that. Uh, accessories, all of the stuff you can think of. But yet they have stuff for your garden. Check them out today. ReadyMadeResources.com. Remember, bulk ammo and ready-made resources both have discounts for you if you're a member of my MSB, which means Members Support Brigade. If you choose to help support those. Um, you will, uh, you'll get discounts from Bulk, you'll get uh, a special program from Ready-Made Resources, and you'll get discounts to most other sponsors and about 20 other vendors. And if you're buying stuff for self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and homesteading, the MSB membership pays for itself. It gets even better right now. If you use the discount code August Heat, you'll get 20% off any membership term, and that will apply to the recurring. Usually when I do a sale, it only applies to the first year. Uh, this is for new members and members who have expired and are renewing their membership only. That's just how my system works. I mean, technically how it works. I can't change that. Um, if I could let you renew early and get a sale price, I would do it. I would be happy to. I'm not AT&T. Um, this is just 
a limitation of the technology that I use to run my program. But the discount code is AUGUST. You've noticed you've not seen it on the blog or on Facebook or on Twitter. I sent one email mentioning it to people who had memberships in the past that expired. This is really an on-air only type of thing. And uh, do consider joining the MSB if you've been on the fence about it, because 20% is a pretty dadgum good savings. If you're military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, or prior service, or a first responder like an EMT, paramedic, or firefighter, You can email me before, not after you join. Put service discount in the subject line. One sentence or two sentences on your service, and I'll send you a discount code. It's actually better than the sale. All right, with that, let's get into the year that was the episode. The year that was the episode was 1407, and I would like to discuss with you today a gentleman named Mad King Charles of France and his little queen. Queen Isabeau, the queen consort of Mad King Charles of France, has done her duty as a wife. She has presented the king with several children, but now she has distanced herself from him. The king has taken to stalking the halls and howling like a wolf. He also cautions people near him, believing himself to be made of glass. Don't push me over, I'll break, that type of thing. Yeah. The king no longer recognizes his wife, asking servants, Who is this woman obstructing my view? Find out what she wants. The queen still feels obligated to provide for his needs, so she substitutes another woman, Odette the daughter of a horse dealer, and the sister uh, of one of the palace servants. She looks like the queen, so Odette is called the little queen. The substitution will not go well. Odette will take control of the court and take advantage of her position for financial gain. Uh, my take by Alex Shrug that puts these together for us. One can hardly blame Queen Isabeau for slipping out the back door. Her husband, the King of France, has really lost his mind. She will move to her country home, raise chickens, and more or less try her hand at farming. She won't try too hard. The king will eventually remember he is married to her and have her have her lover arrested, tortured, and drowned. Don't piss off a crazy man, I think is the lesson here. Uh, a, a crazy man with power. My take, isn't it great that we have elections today so that when somebody actually goes insane, that somebody's actually delusional, they don't stay in power? That's, that's not how it works. I'd like to present something for you uh, right now. This is uh, Senator Ted Stevens from 2006, and I'd like you to know that this is the famous tubes are fill, internet won't work with streaming video rant from an absolutely insane, delusional senator in the United States Senate who, again, was, he's not howling like a wolf. He doesn't think he's made of glass, but this is not the words of a sane man. I present the evidence to you, O Court of TSP. Uh, is allowing all of these uh, entities that support this uh, to provide streaming stuff going on on the, the, on the, the Internet. Now, the Internet, you know, let's go back. Internet started with, with a concept of local-to-local connections across the country, uh, and, and uh, you, you could go for Air Alaska, but you only had, you had to go through con local connections to get there. The industry wisely provided for uh, streaming uh, for, in effect, a new kind of long distance, and, and that's what we've got. We've got a service that's immune to distance, and it's there for the consumer. But, but when we take uh, uh, and uh, really uh, indicate that Anyone that wants to use it, the, this system for massive, massive com uh, uh, commercial purposes. Well, there's one company now, you, you can, you can get, sign up and you can get a, a, a movie delivered to your house. 
daily by, by, by subscription, by, by delivery service, okay? Uh, and, and currently it comes to your house, you put it in a mailbox when you get home, and, and, and in your monthly, you, you change your order. But you pay for that, right? This service is now going to go through the Internet, and what you do is you just go to, to a place on the Internet, and, and you, you order your, your movie, and guess what? You can order ten of them, and, and it's delivered to you, and this delivery charge is free, right? Ten movies streaming across that, that inter- Internet. And what happens to your, your own personal Internet? I, I just the other day got inter- Internet was sent by my staff at 10 o'clock in the morning on Friday. I got it yesterday. Why? Because it got tangled up with all of these things that are going on the Internet commercially. And, and here we have this one situation where enormous entities want to use the Internet for their purpose to save money for do- doing what they're doing now. They use FedEx. They use the, the delivery services. They, they use the mail. They, 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 they deliver in other ways, but they want to deliver vast amounts of information over the Internet. And again, the Internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. And if you don't understand, those tubes can be filled. And if they're filled, when you put your message in, it gets in line. It's going to be delayed by anyone that puts into that tube enormous amounts of material. (laughs) On the concept of delusional, before I bring Xavier on, I'd like to share something with you guys that I I put on Facebook yesterday. Um, I am fed up with these idiots on TV talking about Ebola every third word. It's either been... Robin Williams, Lauren Bacall, or Ebola, nonstop news for well, the last couple of days when I turned it on and looked at it. And I know this Ebola crap's been going on for a long time. I'm about to explain a, a, a little graphic that I put together, and it's done in MS Paint, and it looks kind of amateurish because I'm an amateur with graphics, but it does make a point. And you can look at this yourself on Facebook and comment. Maybe some comments with some brains would be a good thing to add to this. Um, I put it both on a TSP page and on my personal page and some people responded with f jack all right um and just hatred and anger and here's what it says and it's all 100 factual it's it says across the top why should you stop paying attention to the tv about ebola And then it says, the top picture is typical of sanitation in Liberia and Guinea, ground zero for the current Ebola epidemic, and there's a picture of a slum in Liberia. And then it says, the combined populations of these two nations is 16.45 million. Then across, there's a map of both nations showing where they are, because most people that are freaked out about this don't know. And it says, according to the CDC, as of August 9th, the two nations have had a grand total 11 of 1100 cases of 1105 cases of Ebola and 696 deaths in the epicenter of the epidemic infection rate at ground zero is in the, in a sanitation hellhole 0.006% that is six thousandths of 1% of the population of Liberia and Guinea thus far has been infected with Ebola in the location now one person trying to be intelligent tried to make a point and say, well, there's a lot more people dead than that, and the numbers are higher. Yes, if you take all the people in Africa that died and uh, and add them all up, the CDC will give you bigger numbers. I limited it to Liberia and Guinea, and here's why. They have the most deaths per capita, so the number that I present of 0.006% actually is the worst-case scenario, for my, my point. 
You get that? Because if I include Nigeria, right? Nigeria has a much larger population than Guinea or Liberia, and therefore the percentage of the total goes down. Here's my point. If you were in Liberia right now or Guinea, and unless you were a healthcare worker getting sneezed and snotted on by the people doing this, um, you have a chance of about 0.006% of getting Ebola if you're there. So stop paying attention to the TV. This is all hype. This is all BS. It's all crap. It's all to distract you. Do you know when you're going to stop hearing about it? November 5th. That's when you're going to stop hearing about this crap on November 5th. Now, let me tell you why I think some people said, F Jack and, and whatever. These are people that are posting Facebook memes about Obama letting Ebola into the country. That's why it's going to be November 5th when you stop hearing about this. This is not worth worrying about. Do you know how many people died in car accidents in the United States last year? About 30,000. About 30,000 people died of car accidents in the United States last year. Uh, in, in, in Guinea and Liberia combined, 1,105 cases of Ebola, 696 deaths. This as is as of uh, the 9th of August, according to the CDC. That was the most recent official CDC statement numbers I could get. And F Jack. And you're stupid. And, and, and all kinds of venom and hatred for telling the truth. This is a delusional society we live in. And, 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 and the people bringing up Obama and crap like that. There's nothing on this about Obama. I have one guy, he posted, go, he said, hey, survival podcast, go back to Obama. Really, me? Go back to Obama? You do not know who you're speaking to. But I posted to him, so I guess you're a person posting memes about Obama and Ebola on Facebook, but you didn't care when he murdered children at a wedding to bomb a terrorist. There was no response to that. This is the society that we're in today. This is the society that we're in today, that we are going to have our news turn 24-7 to talk to us about a terrible, awful African disease that is a potential threat. I'm not saying it can't ever happen, but here's what I'm saying. What they're saying now is, could you imagine, could you imagine if this mutates into some sort of a, of a true airborne? Because they're calling it airborne now because if some guy standing three feet away from you and sneezes in your face, you can get it. That's not an airborne vector, guys. That's just not. It's mischaracterization of the truth. But it's, here's the, here's the case. If this thing mutates and it goes into like, if it spreads like the flu, Man, it could be a global crisis of untold proportions. You know what? That's a, tr a true statement. It's also true that if the common flu ever mutates into a virulent form like bird flu and does the same thing, we could have the same problem. And the odds of you getting infected and dying from Ebola and an epidemic of Ebola breaking out in the United States are about the same as the odds of a disease you never heard before, never heard of in your entire life mutating and showing up tomorrow. So why do I say not to pay attention to the TV about this crap? Because here's the reality. If it actually does something meaningful, more than it's already doing, you'll know. Somebody will tell you. I promise you. I promise you. I absolutely promise you. You will know. You won't not find out because you weren't paying attention to CNN. Number two, if you're living a prepared lifestyle, you're as prepared as you can be anyway. So what are you going to do? Watch this? If I watch it, I'll be ready. No, you won't. You won't be any more ready than if you don't give a shit. This is stealing your energy. This is stealing your time. This is stealing your focus. You, you see how this works. And it ties right in with what we're going to talk about today. People continuously struggle inside the very machine that has created the problems of today. 
We watch the news and we listen to the people and we trust the people who we know lie to us and mischaracterize things. And then we participate in an economic system built by the very people we say that we oppose. And we live our lives inside the system that we opposed instead of outside the system that we oppose. Now, I'm a realist. I don't think you can just completely step outside the system in all walks of your life. But I do think we should look at and try to separate ourselves from this system as much as possible. And the one thing you do control is your attention. The one thing you do control is your attention. You, you do not control how many times the word Ebola is used by Fox News in a given day. You, you do not control that. Okay? But you do control whether you pay attention to them or not. I've, I've given you the numbers now. Liberia and Guinea, the two worst nations for the epidemic, population 16.45 million, 1,105 confirmed cases, 696 deaths. That is 0.006% of the population. By the way, when I did the math, I took the 0.45 off the million, so I just did it by 16 million. So it's actually a little further out than that. I tried to be, you know closer, make the number as bad as it could be. Um, more people die in these nations every year from tuberculosis, diarrhea, you know, I mean, you can come up with a hundred diseases killing more people in the, in these areas than, than Ebola. It's a terrible disease. It doesn't affect you. It's not going to affect you. And if it ever goes into a stage where it might affect you, Someone will tell you, I promise you, you will not be able to hide from it. It will track you down and let you know. It will call you and scream at you, because most of the zombies are going to keep watching the TV. And you will not be more prepared by paying attention to this. That's See, that's that's the big myth here. I'll, well, at least I'll know. No, you won't know. You'll know what they're telling you, which is bullshit. And every bit of energy you could have been putting into building your life into a more resilient, prepared lifestyle you'll be wasting and squandering listening to some talking head tell you bullshit. So my question for you today, listeners of the Survival Podcast, is where's your energy and time going? Are you going to continue to partake of the system that you hate? Or are you going to build a new life for yourself, your family, and live within the system where you have to, parallel to the system where that makes sense, and outside the system everywhere you can? We're going to talk today about one way to do just that. Not to completely remove yourself from the system, but to create a new system and affect change with positive choice rather than negative emotion. Anyway, with that, I want to bring our special guest on. Welcome him back to the Survival Podcast. Hey, Xavier, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast. Hey, thanks, Jack. It's awesome talking to you again. Hey, um... You've been on the show a couple times, but there's probably people listening that have never heard of you, don't know who you are, and don't know Xavier Hawk from uh, Pro uh, Professor Xavier on the X-Men. So could we start out with just like an intro to, to Xavier, like who you are and what your background is? You're, you're very passionate about permaculture and primitive skills and, and modern survivalism, and, and you've got some pretty cool stuff going on. So leaving the permacredits thing that we're going to talk about out up until we, we get this part done, kind of give people your background. Sure, sure. Um, I started off uh, as a serial entrepreneur, I guess, uh, leading backpacking trips and doing facilitated wilderness trips for folks. 
um, eventually got into business and became a consultant, and that's how I sort of made my way. Um, and that allowed me to buy a nice chunk of property up in the mountains of North Carolina, and we started an eco-village, my family and I. And, um, you know, been doing permaculture here since since we started, essentially. And that took me into building eco-villages, um, where we actually had a conversation about that lab was on, and some of that helps for uh, permaethos. And I'm taking that whole plan and made it open source for everybody to use. And then I went and gave a, uh, a big talk on cryptocurrency at a Bitcoin convention in uh, in Miami and at the beginning of the year, I think, last year. And then um, it's sort of just grown out of that. Permacredit sort of came out of that. It was uh, I gave a talk about cryptocurrencies and and sustainable developments in eco villages. And some folks come, came up to me afterwards, listen, you need to take what you're doing and make a coin for it, right, specifically for, for Colony Earth and your eco-development. And, and so I started looking at that, and I was like, okay, let's see how this can fit and factor in. And it just became really clear to me that this, this is a mechanism that would help the whole world of permaculture. And so it, permacredits really grew out of that. Before we go into permacredits, Can we back up for again because we you know we have like a hundred thousand listeners now yeah yeah and, and there's people that maybe started listening last week don't know what a bitcoin is <laughs> so this is this is based on Bitcoin protocol so could we do a little bit on what Bitcoin is a lot of people have heard about it they've heard a lot of slander about it but it seems like I don't know about you but I would say this year they started and I called it too I said there'd be a full full court press on slandering Bitcoin. Yeah. That lasted about like 45 days, and it was almost like at that point the establishment went, well, this isn't going to work. And it seems like the IRS came out with tax guidance on it. They allowed That's right. contributions with it. Like it was just like, I'm like, it's over. It's And, and from that point on, they just kind of, but, but still some people don't even know what a Bitcoin is. Can you talk about how it, just the basics of how it works and why it's a better system than globalist money basically okay totally so there was this fellow named satoshi nakamoto and that's his pseudonym nobody really knows who he is but he was a cryptographer of some great renown um and capabilities actually he he demonstrated what a bitcoin could be put out this white paper and said really it's it, it's it's a it's a ledger it's a time stamping mechanism that allows uh the solution of what's called the byzantine general's dilemma which is where you, Jack, are the king, and I'm uh, a general out in the army, and we're a thousand miles away from each other, and I send you a courier, and I say, I need, you know, 1,200 soldiers and a pot of gold. And then you get it, and you send it to me. But in the time that it takes for me to send that courier to you, um, somebody defeats me, or a lion eats somebody, or something happens, and you send that gold, and it, and it gets double spent, essentially. Um, the Bitcoin, the technology, the platform, allows that to not happen. It allows instantaneous, immediate digital transactions around the planet uh, with the expediency of like me handing you a dollar bill as if you were standing here in front of me. So the, the, what has happened is like, okay, let's make this um, you know, something that is useful in the world. Let's demonstrate its functionality. So let's use it as a store of value. And that's where the Bitcoin comes in. It, it's been looked at as a currency, as an asset, and the IRS has got their, their views on what that is based upon the fact that there's only 21 million of them. It's a deflationary instrument and therefore acts more as like a, uh, a store of value than it does a currency. So everybody's talking about the currency of Bitcoin and this and that, when really Bitcoin was meant to be a first use case demonstration piece of what the new money of the future will eventually look like. I right? mean, so it, it, released, it was released so people could do what you're, you're doing next, which is take it and use it and build independent currencies 
based on specific needs and uses of communities so that people could step back and say, I don't think you need to control my economics anymore. I think that myself and the people within my community will control that. But yet it was designed so that it could be exchangeable. Right. So a lot of currencies out there, this alternate currency idea is not a bad idea, but they're not generally exchangeable into other economies. So what I mean by that is if I go to Mexico, I can buy pesos. And there's an exchange rate and what have you. And it could change while I'm in Mexico. But when I leave, if I have a bunch of leftover pesos, right. I can turn it back into dollars. So with Bitcoin, we could go into Bitcoin, into euros, over to dollars, back into Bitcoin. And we can do that very, very quickly. And, and what that makes Bitcoin to me, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, is it's really more, at least as it's used for money, as a method of accounting. Well, you and I have made an agreement, and you've now transferred to me a certain value and now I hold that value, and I can transfer it to somebody else for another good or service. Right, exactly. And that's where its value comes in. It, it, it takes the globe. I mean, Bitcoin is to money as email is to mail, right, as the Internet is to encyclopedias. Um, it really makes it a global phenomenon and something that now you can exchange value with somebody on the other side of the planet instantaneously without having to go through banks, go through transaction fees, many weeks of, you know, vetting or however they, they run their KYC, AML, all, all that sort of stuff. You can do it instantaneously. So we really have like a literal global free market at this point. Absolutely. And I mean, the things like being able to create a off, off, off net storage wallet with an encryption code put that in your head, get on a plane, step off a plane in Timbuktu and claim your money there, and no one can do anything to stop it, that is democratizing currency. And the governments don't seem to like that, but it amazes me still that some people think that's bad. Like, why shouldn't you be able to take your wealth with you wherever you go? Exactly. And not only that, but it's, so think about it from a remittance standpoint as well. You know, so there's the, it's a multi-billion dollar industry of people going and working in other countries and then sending money back to their families. Meanwhile, those remittance services charge like sometimes up to 80, 90 percent of what they're transferring. You know, I mean, it's like vulture, vulturism right there. You know, folks who don't have a bunch and they have to spend all of this money going through bank processes and then their families get like a fraction of what they're actually supposed to get. With Bitcoin, it ends that. Um, another factor is like, let's say you want to buy something from, uh, let's say you're, you're in Nigeria and you have a credit card and you just happen to be a good, healthy, happy Nigerian and you want to buy something from Amazon. You can't because of all the fraud and all the things that take place there. Sure. Whereas if you were to use something like Bitcoin, you could now, right? So it really opens up the world in terms of the unbanked and the underbanked, um, which makes up the greater percentage of the population of the people on the planet. And that, and what that can do is really spur economic growth across the globe. So Bitcoin is a time-stamping mechanism and a, tra and a, and a unit for trading value. Um, it does not work very well as a currency, although the functions of it does, but in, as a currency in the traditional sense with, you know, uh, velocity and stuff like that, whereas Bitcoin's volatility and the speculation makes it better as a store of value at this time. Exactly. It's almost like virtual gold, for lack of a better term, though that's not what it is, but that's one way to see it. And then you have taken it and you've developed permacredits. Now, given that Bitcoin does all these great things, what is a permacredit, and why develop it? Why not just use Bitcoin? Right. So if you have um, if you have a Bitcoin and you consider it a store of value and it's a volatile price, 
you know, you can, it, you have to be paying attention to all of that. That happens what, if you want to do a trade with somebody around the globe or whatever. Whereas with permacredits, the goal is to have a stable global trade instrument. So whose price is fixed, right? What we don't have is a nation agnostic global trade instrument right now. The world is looking for it. The nations are looking for it. All of the geopolitical maneuvering, you know, with the BRICS nations and the decline of the hegemony of the dollar. There needs to be a global reserve trade instrument, right? That is, um, that is nation agnostic, that is run by the people, that is something that would be uh, stable in price, unlike Bitcoin. And this allows it to become something that's usable as an actual currency um, when you add things like demurrage fees and whatnot and, and true asset backing. And how do, you, how, do you, how do you manage that? How do you create that stability? Well, through a number of ways, right? Um, there, there has been talks about having a, a basket of currencies or a basket of assets backing a currency, and we're taking okay. that concept and, and growing it further, right? So you can, you can have precious metals, you can have commodities of all sorts, you can have baskets of currencies, land trusts, all kinds of different mechanisms to back a currency. And then the broader that, the broader that basket, the more stable. So if I said, well, what we've done is we've backed at least 50% of all permacredits with uh, a, 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 a specific amount of euros, uh, rubles, dollars, and yen. Right. There's some stability there. But if I did it with 20 currencies. And I, precious metals. And, and precious oils. Metal, and... and, and yeah. Leverage against real property and potentially, let's say, future interest in something like a timber land or, or what have you. Uh, and the more that I stack into that, the more stable the currency becomes. Correct. And the more ability you have to generate and grow specific industries. So let's say we have a pie chart and it's all equally divided, seven parts between precious metals, commodities, uh, currencies, all these things, and also businesses. Right. Funding new businesses. Um, so like in the world of permaculture, right, the, instead of going to Kickstarter and saying, hey, everybody, I've got an eco village and, you know, donate and, you know, make my eco village work. I'll give you free rentals, you know, for the throughout the year. They might not go and have any interest in going to the eco village. They want to see it happen, but then they're not really incentivized to uh, to go and support that. Whereas if they do it through permacredits, right, they, they support those businesses. They might never go there, but they get a token, a value token called permacredits that they can go and spend at other vendors or in the ecosystem or for other folks who accept them. So it's some level of a return on the investment. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It's not an investment because the to have a stable global trade currency, you can't have a for-profit institution running it. Then you'd have the Federal Reserve Bank, right? Okay. If you have a non-profit foundation and the governance of it is managed through what's called a decentralized autonomous organization or a, a governance app, Imagine Facebook where you get to vote and you get to decide, uh, you know, what backs the currency, what projects are getting funded, who the council members are. Um, imagine the Federal Reserve run by, instead of a group of old white men and behind a boardroom doors, run by the, the collective will of the people of the planet. Very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there's a lot of technical. I get what you're, before you go on, though, I get what you're saying about, like, Kickstarters because, like, so Mark Shepard just ran this Kickstarter. Still open, guys. Support it because this isn't attached to it yet, right? Right. But he's trying to start up. Basically, he's already got a cider, a hard cider line out of his farm. But he can, he like he's got like one stories in. He's always out of stock. He can only and, and and ramping up the production of something like that is expensive. There's licensing and all this crap. So he's trying to raise twenty thousand bucks. So I backed it. I gave him two hundred fifty bucks. 
he's going to engrave my name on a tank. One of the fermentation. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's great. Cool. Yeah. Like, like if I had donated more, he was going to send me this mug that I could always get free refills of, of this cider in. Yeah. But he's in Wisconsin. Right. I've actually never been to Wisconsin. I want to go, but I, I know I can't get there all the time. So there's, you know, there's a limited, there's a little, is there a little ego and it's going to say Jack Spirico on a big fermentation tank? Sure. <laughs> but that doesn't really do much for me, right? I did it because I wanted to see him succeed. Right. Now imagine if you'd got that, the, the engraving and a bunch of tokens equivalent to your donation, um, $250 worth of perma credits, for instance, then you could go use them. It, it, I'm jumping ahead here, but there are, yeah. there are programs now that you can get a prepaid card with Bitcoin. You can pay Bitcoin into a prepaid card and it can be used anywhere that these is used. Okay. Right. That opens up the entire world to being able to you, you, you can use your perma credits. We're actually in talks with them to have them accept perma credits that you can use those anywhere that visa is accepted. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, you know, so yeah. there, there's a lot of really cool like and then ATMs and kiosks and all sorts of things that, that are that we plan on rolling out. But ultimately, what it comes down to is like you've just given him two hundred fifty dollars to make his dream come true, and in return, you've gotten two hundred fifty actionable perma credits. That's 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 amazing. If that can be made to work, that that's and I know there's some skepticism there. Maybe we'll help de-skepticize that as we move forward. But I think that what makes that very very attractive to me is the concept that you can only do so much with a closed economy and you have to create exchangeability. Right, fungibility. And if you don't do that, you don't, yeah, exactly. And if you look at, if we just take out, we look at the Bitcoin price, right? Mm -hmm. It started out worth you know a fraction of a dollar, got dollar parity within a year, and then skyrocketed, came back down and stabilized. If you take out the, the, the shot up past 500, if you just take that out, because this is a big speculative thing, a bunch of people jumped in, they got a lot of press, and it's that it was like one pop. And when it went away, if you pull that out, it's a pretty linear growth model of, of increasing value. It's 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 not erratic at all. It's it's it, it might bounce around a bit, but it's been pretty stable since that blip went away at five hundred bucks. And that rise upward over time, again, taking away a couple accentual things was very proportional to the number of places you could spend it. The more exchangeable, the more fungible it was, the more value it held. Yeah. And now you know you can go to Gifty and get a card and spend it anywhere and all this other stuff and you see more and more merchants, you know, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? I take Bitcoin, you'll take Bitcoin. So the more that you can actually do with a currency, the more stable it becomes. Correct. And Bitcoin has the largest market cap of any of the cryptocurrencies, right? It's the one that everybody knows about. Um, mm -hmm. There are literally hundreds, if not thousands more at this point. Um, and all of them have different functions and different purposes and different niche, you know, sections of the market that they, that they have. But the thing about it is, is that um, as you see this increased adoption and, oh, God, what was what, what, uh, Overstock.com, right? They've made a yep. big deal about it. And so everybody's looking at it. And so, yeah, it, it has this this uh, intrinsic value because it's usable in more spots. And the technology is happening so fast that it, it's just going to replicate for all of the different coins. And um, like, like when I say Bitcoin is to money as email is to you know, old mail. This is really true. The, the maybe it's not Bitcoin that the world uses in the future to trade all its value, but it is the thing that that opened up the Pandora's box of how that will be done. Very true. And like, if you think about that analogy with email, 
So like when email first came out, you know, you've got mail and it was like AOL was the internet and right. it was like and now there's like a hundred different ways that people use and access and and derive information through email and email like services, RSS syndication, exchange mediums of information that don't use email but may use email alerts like Facebook, Twitter, you know, when Twitter came out, a lot of people said, that's stupid. And now, you know, it's, it's a global, monumentous brand. And, but that all got opened up by the concept, hey, we can communicate electronically without being tied to a telephone to do it verbally. Correct. And as soon as that possibility came up, all these things came out of it. One of the things that's come out of it now is permacredits. So let's get into, get, get into that deeper at this point. I just wanted to cover Bitcoin heavily because everything flows around that process. And there's so many people that aren't familiar yet. But now that we've got there... How exactly does a permacredit work? Right. So the permacredits foundation is uh, where people will donate their fiat money or their Bitcoin to. And then they'll get a permacredits equal equivalent to their donation in return. Right. And then all of the money that has been put into the permacredits foundation gets put into this big pot that's controlled by what are called smart contracts, which is another thing that the blockchain technology that Bitcoin's based off of was able to, to, to do. And you can see some of the work that they're doing with Ethereum and some of the other decentralized organizations to to make smart contracts and multi-sig wallets, which means you need a number of people to open up the wallet. You know, it's kind of like having the two guys with the their keys to set off the nuclear warhead or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so by by putting it into a pot that's controlled by smart contracts and smart wallets, nobody has access to it. You don't have a bottleneck of trust that you have to have. So all of those funds then get distributed based on a series of contractual uh, agreements that are fulfilled through people's voting, right? If, if a quorum majority vote of 75% uh, says that the money should go to this business and they have three consultants on it and they've proven insurance or whatever, then the money is directly deposited to their their prescribed wallet. Nobody touches it, right? So it, it's really a mechanism of, uh, of trust and a surety removing the, the, the weak human link, right? So we, we put these money into or the, the Bitcoin and, and funds into a smart contract enabled wallet that gets open and the funds get released to the businesses that the people vote on through a Kickstarter style uh, mechanism in the social self-governance app. Now, the skeptic would say the one problem they have with all this, as good as it sounds, would be this. So I give you $250, let's call it, worth of Bitcoin. So I buy Bitcoin, and then I buy permacredits with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And I get $250 worth of permacredits. The investor gets $250 worth of whatever Bitcoin that it can convert and spend and do its project with. I also have I've now the money has, has somehow multiplied times two. And mm-hmm. this th- seems to defy the logic of things, or it's some sort of fractional reserve system. How can that be? Right. So you've got to think about uh, secondary economies or complementary currencies. In Switzerland, well, back before World War II, just before World War II, there were three complementary currencies that came out. The Ward in Germany, Poland had one, and I can't remember its name, and then the Veer in Switzerland. Um, and what they were was a B2B sort of business. Uh, I'm sorry, a B2B sort of currency. Um, if the, since all of those, the, the values of the francs and the Deutsche Marks and everything were declining so rapidly, people weren't able to conduct business between each other, let alone conduct business with their end users or their customers. So what they did is they created this complementary currency that people could trade into and out of and then use it as a mechanism to con- continue trading, right? 
Um, the Central Bank of Germany and Poland both got really threatened and they shut it down and made it illegal, even though it was proving to help the economy. Switzerland was the only one that decided to keep it. And it actually carried them through World War II in such a manner that their economy was stable, whereas the rest of Europe's was, was going to the pot, right? So when you're saying, you know, creating double value and how does this work, it's really about creating a secondary economy, um, one that supports and, and actually lifts up the primary economy if in times of trouble. So we're literally creating another monetary unit or another uh, trade instrument, if you will, however you want to think of it. And um, it's usable only in our network. But if we have things like uh, payment processors like GoCoin or um, these cards that you can lo- preload, then all of a sudden they're usable in the regular market as well. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, you are kind of creating value out of two things. Um, and it should be uh, people should understand that that can actually happen now when we when we have a world dominated by central reserve banking. You can't have that. But in a yeah. world, well, you can't. They do it all the time for themselves. Exactly. Right. But they issue new money and that that and, and they keep some of it and that strips value out of the existing money and that's how they make a profit. But you're right. going the other way around. And I think the other thing, I think this is where people will get tripped up, so I'll I'll point this out. Money has the value that the economy it circulates in dictates. It's only based on confidence. That's exactly what you said. Yeah, it's also based on what's out there and what can be exchanged for it. So the United States of America, through the the Federal Reserve quasi-fascist, private institution that makes our money can put $10 U.S. Federal Reserve note on the paper all they want. And they can do things to manipulate the inflation or deflation of that note. But in the end, the market decides what it can be exchanged for. And the market is what gives the currency value, not the other way around. So currency can increase in volume Without inflation, if the value of the economy itself is keeping pace with the expansion. In other words... And not only that... Right, let, let me finish this real quick, and then I'll, I'll give it back to yeah, you. Yeah, sure. All the stuff that existed in an economy currently had a value of a million dollars. There was a million dollars worth of stuff and a million dollars in the economy. And the economy produced another million dollars worth of stuff. And the currency doubled the two million dollars. You'd have stasis. Because they would still balance each other as long as people wanted the new stuff. Right. That would be they'd have to be increased in the value of the market and and a, and a stable demand for those things. Correct. There is, however, a lot of moving parts in a whole ecosystem, a monetary ecosystem, right? So the market has to increase, and the amount of goods has to be there, and people have to want them. All of those. There's so many moving parts. Where you, if, whereas permacredits, where if you take a basket of currencies, commodities, and all of these things, you, there, there can only be as many permacredits as there are um, the, the backing, right? So if we have 5 million permacredits in existence in the first round of issuance, let's say, and the people in the, in the, in the governance app have decided that 50% of it is going to be asset-backed, then immediately half of that money in the pot goes to buying all those assets and securing them. Right. Mm. So that if anybody wants to redeem those perma credits, then we have to go and sell those amounts of uh, assets to be able to give them whatever fiat currency that they want back. Of course, with a demurrage fee and a, and a, and a you know, a, a transaction fee or whatever. Sure, sure. But there's a there's a 
there's a, a percentage of reserve against the total, which is so for anybody that says you know any kind of crap about fiat or anything, that's a hell of a lot more reliable than what the current global currencies do themselves. They're backed by, you know, our currencies today are backed by a piece of paper that says somebody else owes somebody else money. It's nothing. That, that's the yeah. entire backing. It's people think it's a promise from government. It's a promise of one government to pay another government someday, maybe. And it's not even a promise from government, is it? It's a promise from a no. private institutionalized international bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all know how, how well we can trust those guys. We can trust bankers. So why would a person want to be investing in or using permacredits when, you know, it does kind of put them into this, well, you're inside this closed economy. You know, why would they make that choice over just using Bitcoin Litecoin or dollars. Right. Well, a couple reasons because so there there is one coin out there that is looking to back their current their their token their quote unquote currency with fiat dollars, U.S. Federal Reserve notes. Um, they're the only ones that I've seen that have really started down that road that we're on, which is like true asset backing. Um, so you, what you end up having is a, a, a tradable instrument that is way more secure than any fiat currency out there because it's backed by actual goods and, and things, you know, real stuff that is redeemable. Also, and this is for me the biggest, the biggest uh, boon I see to the thing is like we can build an entire industry with this mechanism. We can fund all kinds of innovative uh, eco de ecological developments, sustainable developments, energy production, permaculture institutions, farms, you know, um, there's no other mechanism that's industry-specific for crowdfunding that I see working for the permaculture world. So anywhere you are, just by having a permacredit, you can be supporting the, the world of permaculture and a future for our planet, literally. That, that's the other big thing. It's like you can go trade your soul equity, your, your passion, your calories, your creativity, your manpower, and get this token, which is a Federal Reserve note, and trade it, you know, and you're taking part in a ritual that's feeding a system that you have no say in. That it, they go and lend the money to whoever they Let want. Let me reiterate, not only no say, absolutely no effing say whatsoever, period. And anything that tells you that you do is an illusion. <laughs> you have no say at all. And when you vote, you don't – I don't care if you believe that voting works. You have no say in the monetary creation system at all by voting for anybody because those people are not elected. And I'll give it back to you. But that cannot be overemphasized. Exactly. And so you use this little token and you're feeding that system. Just by using it, by taking your creativity and your passion, your hours, all of that, by trading it in that system, you're feeding a war machine, literally, debt, slavery, genocide machine. Whereas if you use permacredits, you get to choose what it funds, what it does, how many of them are created, what is backing it. It's like literally putting the, the, the self-determination in the hands of people through the technologies that we have now. Well, and I'm going to say three sentences to you, and I want you to tell me what they are. Care of the earth. Care of people, and return of surplus. What are those examples? So that's permaculture, right? And it's the ethics. Yeah, right? exactly. Do you do you think anybody in the central banking system would know the answer to that question? No, and they wouldn't give it crap either. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, that's that's my big thing. Like, if if you actually want the things that many of us say we want, then you have to stop backing the organizations that are diametrically opposed to the things you say you want. And I can tell you that. The, the World Monetary Fund, the, the United States Central Bank, the European Central Bank, these guys are not interested in care of the earth, care of people, and return of surplus. They're interested in extortion of people, raping of the earth, and extraction of surplus. Right. I mean, 
They are they are literally the antithesis of the permaculture ethics. Yeah. And it's not about being evil or, or good. Let's just look at it as a duality. This is what you want, and these people are they are the yin to your yang, man. They do not want what you want. Because it's it's not profitable for them that way. And I, I do have to counter that with some balance and say they have helped our civilization grow. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they might not have, yes. the, and there's a function, and it takes all kinds. You know, we, what yep. we need to do is create a win-win situation where they see, hey, this is actually something that would benefit the us, our pockets, as well as the pockets of everybody. You know, if you can take, if you take a, a graph of like the poorest people in the world and the most expensive people in the world, and uh, uh, against its own measuring system, right now it's like deplorable. But if you take the whole system and raise it up just a couple notches, where the richer get even more rich, but the poorer are actually stable and have incomes and can live a comfortable life, then the whole system becomes much more um, productive. You have a monoc- uh, instead of a monocultured system, you have a polycultured uh, economic system. Well, and then when you do that, the people that you would call poor, then simply are the lowest in the economy, have greater upward mobility if that's what they choose to have, right? And that's, exactly. the, 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 I don't have a problem with somebody being poor. I have a problem with somebody being confined to poverty, not having an, a path toward upward mobility, yeah. being so low that there literally is no opportunity for that person because they have no time to function on the opportunity because they have to worry about, do I not die today? Right. That's, that's, that's the only priorities. I want to not die today, and if I do that, I'm going to put today in the win column. And, and we need to create a society, and I don't think government can do it. I think that, that innovators and entrepreneurs can do it. That, that pull people up at least to a level where they can say, okay, not dying today, box ticked by 8 a.m., okay? Maybe I had to right. focus on so, a little bit, run away from a lion or whatever, but at this point, going to make it till sunset. Now I can focus on building my life. That's right. You know, and, and it's amazing what technology has been uh, able for us to do now because of it. Like, look, just take Uber, right? The idea of a taxi service calling up somebody on, a, on an app and saying they happen to be in your town or in your area, and you can you bypass the entire business structure of a taxi service. The barrier to entry to being able to give people rides and stuff now is a lot lower. So somebody in that lower bracket can find a way to move themselves up, right? And we are look, doing to- I didn't even know about that, but you know what? That is so awesome because I don't know that service, but I bet you I already know how that works. Because the yeah. objection to government would, is going to be this. I know this. <laughs> Would be how would we ensure safety and you know make sure right, that people right. aren't gonna well I bet you I just bet you that as people earn trust they get reviews like a la Amazon eBay type thing and you know you're dealing with a trusted person when you're getting a ride for them for money and I think that could probably save people a shitload of money just in not getting DUIs right there that's uh, exactly and we <laughs> we are doing to the banking system what uber did to the taxi service wow this this is this is really what is happening because everything that you just talked about merit you know you're you're getting ratings from your 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 peers and your friends that's how the governance system in permanent credits works so so in traditional like let's say in a corporation you have a certain amount of shares therefore you have a certain amount of votes right that's called proof of stake um, and that is involved in permanent credits so like let's say you have a thousand permanent credits you get initially a thousand vote tokens right okay. so but what what is really more um what what we've done is we've created proof of merit whereby you rate yourself your friends get to rate you and then that measurement that that um, metric system gets measured against the mean average of the entire system and we're using greg and ethan um the the eight forms of capital this is this is one of the really exciting parts of it is that we're using uh 
Ethan Rowland and Gregory Landau's uh, Eight Forms of Capital as uh, measurement metrics. And they're really excited about it because they get to have some, uh, some practical use cases of, of their Eight Forms of Capital. So, um, so, yeah, you get rated in all your Eight Forms, and then you get measured against the mean average of the system. If you have a higher merit because you've got more social, uh, social capital or living capital, you have more vested interest in the, in the ecosystem itself, then you have a better say or more uh, a higher factor of um, rewards in terms of votes. Basically, what it boils down to is somebody with little to no credits but takes part in everything, is helping people, is involved, is like you know facilitating programs and helping people onboard businesses, could have more say than somebody who's got like a million credits but doesn't do anything. You can't just buy it; you've got to earn it. So exactly, if you had a person, let's say, let's say we had a person that was a phenomenal plant propagator, could just propagate plants like nobody's business. And you've got you know farms being established, and that person is saying, hey, look, I'll do for every new farm a 1,000 plants. You pay shipping, I'll send them to you for free. And that person does that over and over and over again. There's there's an incredible contribution being made there that's not measured in dollars. Exactly, and so they. Get- but that con- does that not does that contribution not grow faster than dollars? What grows faster, a tree or a dollar? Exactly. So they get rated by all of these people, and then the their reward <laughs> metrics get multiplied by a factor of however above the mean average they are. So if they comment, they're doing things, and we're paying people in um, in voting mechanisms to post to comment to help one another we're incentivizing good behavior you get more say you get more vote because of that so what we're able to do with the eight forms of capital with the technology that we have and the algorithms that we can run in the application is we are able to really gauge a person's merit in the system based upon their their user reviews and their and their friends Hmm. so essentially is like we balance out this whole because look at the world right everybody who's got the money's got all the power right but if we say No, there's all these other forms of value that people are contributing to the benefit of this civilization. Here, we can metricize them and reward them with with actual voting power. I mean, that that in and of itself is like a a huge um, technological advancement or or societal advancement, self-governance, you know. And so we build that into the currency. So it's essentially like a bank in a box. You know, it's a Federal Reserve bank in a box that everybody gets to decide on how it functions and what it does. There's certain key guidelines, like, um, you know, there's a certain amount of the, the funds that are in the foundation that have to go to funding new innovative businesses in the sector, right, so that we can have growth. And as we donate to them, part of their Kickstarter, their Kickstarter pitch to the community is like, hey, and as we make profits and network surplus, we'll share, we'll donate 10% a year back into the permacredit ecosystem. So it helps produce more funds to produce greater growth in the industry. Well, that answers an earlier question I had for you in some ways then, because that person, it's, let's say, making apple cider, that's selling apple cider outside of the permacredits economy, then taking value from that external or, or uh, let's call it lateral economy and bringing it in and then investing it back in continues to grow the value there. But on the money thing, so is, 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 uh, is uh, permacredits, like how, how, who's making the money here? Is this uh, Xavier Hawks, 
offshore retirement account. I wish. Um, it would be right. great. It would be like, great. Who's, who, where's all this money going? Is it just going to the people that are developing these businesses and to back the currency? So, like, who's who's making the profit off all this? Right. So the foundation, the, the there's a council of 13 members that are the foundation board members, as it were. Um, they each get a salary, and there's budget for build for biz dev, right, to, to go buy ATMs, to go build the network, to market the credit system to the population around the world, da-da-da-da-da. But the, that budget is put through the Kickstarter-style voting process, just like all the other projects that seek voting, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you're in the, in the system and you're like, well, you know, Permacredits Foundation, you're great and all, but asking for $5 million this round is not going to fly, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Why do you have – why are your salaries so high, this and that? So what – it's a nonprofit foundation, so obviously nobody's making any profits off of it. The, the money that's made by the system grows into growing the system. Ultimately, my goal here is, and this is going to sound, you know, very, very uh, grandiose, but I'd like to see world peace. I'd like to see a balance of the system. And I think that, you know, I I can't remember the the fellow who said it, but it doesn't matter who runs a country, but give me control of the money supply and um, and that's how that, that's where the power is, or whatever. Or, or uh, I believe that was one of the Rothschilds, right? You know, and he was very right. The countries are not defined by their governments; they're defined by their currencies. And when people recognize that, how we and, and this is why uh, Bernard Leotard, the guy who created the euro, was drafted because he understood having a pan-European consciousness, really, um, that everybody was using one currency. They felt more connected as a people. So if we can provide a global trade currency or a global trade instrument, then we have a uh, the basis for a global culture or a global village, as it were. Um, and, you know, the people around the planet don't want war. They don't want death. They don't want, you know, no. genocide. No. You know what I'm saying? There, there are core values that we all share as human beings, at least the good ones are the... the, the, the I, I think people get confused by what a person means when they say world peace. So world peace, they think, means everybody sits around, contemplates their navel, and nobody punches anybody in the face. No. I think... I think people that want world peace would settle for governments are not going to war with each other and murdering innocent civilians. We'd be that would be like a light years forward toward world peace if we could get to that. Now, what's interesting is the more that economies are decentralized, the more that money is democratized, the more that people have a say in what happens with not just their money by how they spend it, but with the totality of money, the ability of governments to make war declines. Because you can have all the freaking tanks in the world. If you can't pay the guys to drive them, if you can't put fuel in them, if you can't keep them running, if you can't repair them, right. then you can't do a lot of warfare with them. Yeah. And if you're trying to go to war and the people of your nation just go, you know what, we're not going to let you do that with our money. That's right. Uh, and and as they have these lateral places to put their money, well, you're gonna, we're going to tax you on it. Well, I don't have any income in your money. That's right. I don't have any income in your money. Well, you have income in something, prove it. I don't have I don't have income at all. I have social capital. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that might sound fanciful, and if you think that I'm talking about next week, I think it is. But if you think I'm talking about decades of, of developing things like this, I don't think it's fanciful. I think it's if you realize that the mechanism for control for the entire world is and always has been money, then wrenching the control of the money from the tyrant is more important than wrenching the seat of government from the tyrant. Indeed, and in understanding that most people don't have a historical perspective for their day-to-day lives. We think maybe yesterday and maybe tomorrow, maybe some yeah. people in business plan a week, couple weeks out. But in general, the totality of human beings just sort of focus on those days that are around there right now, 
But if we have, if we step back and look from a historical perspective, things take time to develop. Things take time to grow, just like our gardens do, right? And a, a good polyculture, permaculture, uh, like plot of land takes years to build. So, yeah, when you take that historical perspective back, this is the beginning of an entire revolution in the economics of this, of the world. Um, and we're at the, at the, at the first door. But to answer your question earlier, Nobody's making money out of this. No singular individual or singular institution is. It's, it's really about creating a vehicle that works for everybody, that benefits, you know, not just the pockets of the people around the planet, but also the planet itself, regenerating the soil and, you know, building more permaculture institutions. Awesome. And it, be, it, it all would be like, you know, when people gave half a billion dollars to the Red Cross for Haiti and, like, None of it seemed to go to Haiti. It would have been like the people that donated having the the power to say, um, yeah, you know that money we gave you? Yeah, it's it's going to go to Haiti because it's not there, and we can see that it's not there. And, and no, you're not getting a bonus this year because yeah. you screw people over. Because, I mean, I talked to people that went on the ground in Haiti, and uh, Brandon Shelton was down there with his little nonprofit. He's like, we did more with five people and $10,000 in the Red Cross, I, you know, for, as far as he could see, they had done in the entire country. Yeah. He's like, with a half a billion dollars? Give me a break. Like you could have literally rebuilt Haiti acre by acre right. with a half a billion dollars. What he told me, he saw one Red Cross tent with nobody in it and one big giant water tank in the middle of a field with a Red Cross on it that was empty. That's exactly how it was in Jersey when, we went, when I was there for Sandy. I mean, like our little ragtag group of kids essentially fed the Red Cross, we fed FEMA, as well as all the people in the neighborhood and doing demolitions on their houses to help repair them so they could get their insurance money. Yeah, it's crazy. So imagine checking off your taxes box, right? You get all these choices where you get to send your taxes to. Exactly. That's what Permacredits does. Yeah. You know, and and it's based on a monetary system or, or a currency trade instrument. Are you familiar with an author named Richard Bach? Yes. There is one of his books where he talks about, it's like a future... That that's how the tax system was run. That you had to pay your taxes, right? But you got this list, and you'd sit down and go, uh, "Military zero." Uh, right, you, know, right, you, right. you you didn't get to decide how much you pay, but you just allocated your money, and that became a, a better form of voting than voting for officials. Because yeah, you can have the money, but we say we earmark it, not you. Yeah, and you know, there's a, a collective intelligence to the to to the population, right? It, like. If you have one person, let's say three people in a boardroom versus 1,200 people making a decision outside in a, in a, an efficient manner, you know, through a mechanism like an app or something like that, then you have a greater degree of, um, of a greater chance of having a better decision come out of that group of 1,200 than you do of those three people. Especially if it's controlled and it has to happen. The big problem with, so like Occupy found this out, right? When oh, they started, don't get me started Occupy, on Occupy, right? yeah. They have like 500 people ain't had a bath in three days, and they're all sitting out there. They're going to make one decision, like, do we order Domino's or do we order Pizza Hut while we protest the corporatocracy, yeah, by the way? Yeah, while this person's they talking were, about they, their, their oh, hurt that they've experienced as a child, and this person wants yeah. to talk about their story, and it's like, no, that doesn't work. You they have, have to, to vote on that decision, and then they have to vote on where they put the, They were going to vote on everything. And to be fair to them, very quickly they figured out, you know what? Doesn't work. That's right. But if you take that kind of crowdsourcing and you funnel it through a controlled mechanism that that requires an output, then eventually you get an output quickly. And 
you also get immediate feedback. Like, if that shit doesn't work, trust me, the next time the people decide what to do, they're going to change their mind. Great. Uh, if they, if, 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 let's say, let's look at another modern thing, like this NSA surveillance stuff. Let's say that they had made a good case to the American people that they did, that every terrorist was hiding under every rosebush in America waiting to kill you. And they got a lot of money to go into that basket, and they built the NSA data center with it because people gave their consent to put it in that basket. When you think if they came back now and made that case again to people and wanted to keep the money going into the NSA surveillance basket, that that, that would keep happening? Or do you think that people would go, you know what, no, you're not reading my grandmother's email anymore? Exactly. It's true free market <laughs> and true self-governance, self-determination, right? Um, no, I do not want to see the world go down this road and continue demolishing all of the ecosystems and destroying our futures and our kids' futures. I want to see it go down this road, and now I can I can execute my will through this application and through this currency. And it's not so much I'm going to stop somebody else; it's I'm going to put my energy toward what I want. No, and if, we're not and fighting we, anybody. The, yeah. You know, Buckminster Fuller said it best. He's like, you don't you don't replace the system by fighting the current one. You come up with something better. You obsolete it absolutely. So. On that note, though, for people that are – I'm guaranteed there's people that are reading on this. all sounds great, and it also sounds like a big old fat-ass Ponzi scheme. <laughs> so, so what do you say to that person? We, we, if, so let's say you've convinced me it's not Xavier Hawk's offshore retirement account. Right. Right? But it, it does sound kind of like everybody puts money in, and it all grows exponentially. Yeah, that's not – I mean, it doesn't grow exponentially like that. Um, so the way we do it is uh, issuances, and we do them on the equinoxes and, and or the solstices. Um, and the amount that's issued is determined by the population that's in there already. They, everybody decides, hey, we've got this many projects. They, they total like $2 million worth of projects in the permaculture world, um, and we want and, – and that percentage is – uh, 50%, let's say, of um, of the total backing of the currency, then we're going to have to raise $4 million this this round or whatever. And so when those, that $4 million comes in, to, you know, one uh, one half of it goes to those businesses, the other half goes to buying those assets and, and, and uh, commodities and things that back the actual currency. So a Ponzi scheme is, you know, hey, keep investing, keep investing, there's nothing coming out of it, there's no product, there's no anything, where we actually have uh, a truly asset-backed currency that is the product, that has the value of those commodities that are backing it. And, I mean, a Ponzi scheme, to add to what you said, requires that the person putting the money in has an expectation of a greater extraction. In other words, I give you $100 today, six months from now you give me $200. I reinvest it six months from now you give me Four hundred dollars. Yeah, that, that doesn't it, happen here. This it doesn't is, yeah. happen. You're not. It, it can't be a Ponzi scheme because you're not promising to give me anything back. You're, you're you're exchanging value for value initially. I get my perma credits. I go do what I want with them. That's it. You're, you're and, never saying that I get more other than I get influence. Correct. And that's based on your activity, right? We're, what we don't want is an inflationary speculative instrument. We want an instrument that has a stable price that can be redeemed for the the actual backing. So, uh, yeah, Ponzi scheme would be some kind of investment scheme, and this is, this is not an investment scheme. This is like, here's a clear choice. You can use a money system that does all of these horrible things or a money system that you control and does all these wonderful things. So now we're talking about a lot of things that I think are we're close. Some things were there. Yeah. Some things are very much in the future. So let's say right now I run over to uh, permacredits.com and I purchase $500 worth of permacredits. What, what can I do with them? Okay. Can I I'll go out and say, look, I have permacredits, or can I actually do something with them right now? Right now, you can't even buy them. Um, okay. is, the, we've got our developers working on the, the social self-governance app. Um, the credits are in existence. We, we have them ready to, to, to sell if we were wanting to do so, but we want to do it in a way that makes sense 
for everybody and is not some kind of like, hey, pipe dream. You know, we want to show some results and say, look, we, we here's our white paper. Here's the explanation of it. Um, here's how they work. Here are the vendors that we're already talking with. Um, the, the, the app will be available in two months time, whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, right now we're not even selling them. Right now it's just about the so vision. So just to speak up for you real quick here, he can't be asking for your money, folks, because he can't take it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, I just want to let everybody know that there are these things that are happening in the world markets that are really going to be shaking things up in a big way. And it's and the circumstances that it's happening in couldn't really be better um, when you're seeing the, the, the global hegemony of the dollar kind of lose its position of power. You've got the BRICS nations that have just gotten together. I mean, they're looking, the world is looking for this solution at a very high level. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we are building that. And the app is pretty much all together. There's just some components. Like I talked about the user metrics, like we have to build those algorithms. Um, and we've got the guys to do that. And we've also got, you know, the people, the, 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 the foremost experts on complementary currencies in the world on our team, uh, Stephen Belgian and Bernard Leotar. Uh, Bernard was the chief architect for the Euro. So he knows all the ins and outs of, of like global trade, really. Um, and we're going to be putting this system through uh, through some of the most rigorous financial think tanks in the world um, to, for them to run their analysis and, and whatnot and, and really make it a legit thing. It's not some fly-by-night kind of nonsense. We're, we're operating. If you just want to make a coin, I mean, people do it every day now. You can just grab the Bitcoin algorithm, basically private label it, throw it on your own server, and boom, you got one. You're right. not taking that approach. No, for this to make true change in the world and for, for us to have some real headway as a civilization, it has to be done in a certain way, and that's like above board, like way above board. Um, and it has to be legitimized in the eyes of governments. It has to be legitimized in the eyes of the, you know all of these different institutions. Or at least something they can't screw with, one or the other. Well, that's the other thing, right? You know, uh, yeah. you grow a polycultured garden, something hits one of your crops, you've still got a bunch of others, right? So... Um, if, if we have a decentralized system that it, they can't really do anything about it, you know what I mean? Um, the best that they can do is learn how to harmonize with it and incorporate it into their own systems so that they can make themselves a bunch of money. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's, I, I think that's what's eventually going to happen. I think that, like, when Bitcoin came out, governments went, yeah, whatever, this is stupid. And then, like, when it worked, they went, oh, crap. <laughs> what are we? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that, that big And then they're like, ah, oh, this is a fad. It'll go away. And then the, they continued to build. And, you, you know, you, you pass dollar parity. And next thing you know, it's 100 to 1. It's 200 to 1. It's 300 to 1. And people are using it. And companies are starting to take it. And then it was like, oh, crap, we got to kill it. So yeah, let's call up the Hollywood elite and let's have them put it in crime dramas as being something drug dealers use and all. And then it was like, you know what? This this is not going to work. Nope. This is it's like it's to me. It's like the, the Internet. Right. So government had a lot to do with creating the Internet. But I guarantee you a long time ago, they went, holy crap, what have we done? Right. Then they went, well, let's try to take control back over. There was even going to be a government-controlled email at one point. And at some point, they just had to go, you know what? We need our own websites. We need our own web teams. Exactly. <laughs> it's on this platform with people, and, and we need to use it for whatever thing we can use it for. But we, the genie has now exited the bottle and will not go back in. So let me tell right. you something that I haven't really shared with a bunch of folks, and I'm going to share with 100,000 of my fellow community <laughs> members here, right? Um, that we, based on our system and based on the uh, the ways that we're building it, we set up a for-profit company to provide them provide anybody with their own white-labeled version. 
right? So if, oh. we're we're in win-win situation. We're in win-win territory. We we don't want regulations and people to come down on us saying we'll say no. Look, here's how you can use this system for yourself, and we'll charge you out the ass. Um, I'm sorry, we'll charge you out the, <laughs> the you know. Um, <laughs> and, well, I mean, okay. So this is just, just to, so but, I understand. We already, we already let me have, so I understand you here. Let me say, let's say that I had an organization that said we're not a permaculture organization. What we want to do is we build schools, privately run schools that are designed to be affordable for all children. We want a coin that does that, that, that's for that purpose, that allows people to take, partake in education, to decide where kids go to school, what goes into a curriculum, what doesn't, yeah. how much independent learning there is. They could come to you and say, we want, we want to basically take this and make EduCoin. That's right, yeah, or unschooling coin or whatever. Yeah. And then they control it. That's right. Yeah, wow. and we, we're actually doing this already in talks with two municipalities in Texas, by the way. Um, awesome. And we are also we have a client that we're about to close the deal on, which is a nation, an actual nation, um, an institutionalized governmental nation. Uh, so yeah, it's some it's a big deal, right? And there's there's some real headway being made in the in the whole space. And we, we and, and like open currency did some stuff with you know Indian nations. You don't mean that not not to put that down or anything, but you mean a recognized global nation. That's right. Correct. That is correct. The South, mm-hmm. Southeast Asian nation. Um, and they want not just a people's currency, but they want a trade currency between their, their, in their region. A, a, that's why we, that's why we brought Bernard on, Bernard Leotard, because he is one of the only people on the planet who has experience in creating multinational, uh, how, trade instruments. How long do you think it is before, like, Rus coin and China coin are trading with each other in that region and Aussie coin with Japan? Jap coin or whatever. I mean, yeah. If you wanted to ask me my blue sky, like long term vision, what I see happening is there being a stable global trade instrument for the planet. You know, call it Earth credits or something like that, or Terra credits, which is um, what Bernard has been working on for a number of years. That is asset backed. That is used for like large trade, counter trade, right? Like hundreds of millions of barrels of oil for you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That being the global trade currency. And then it being um, backed by and also interchangeable with all of the various nations' currencies and communities' currencies. So what do you say to the person who hears that and said, you know what, I've said all along, this Bitcoin thing is complete bullshit. It was it, this, this Yakamoto guy or whatever never existed. This is the new world order. They put this out there, and they're going to use it to trick us all into a global currency, and then they're going to control it. I was, that, I was, that's a big, there's a big view of that in the alternative space. Yes, of course. And I would say, yeah, <laughs> pay attention. Keep your eyes open. Um, that, that, this technology is capable of doing that. Um, and it's really up to the people to determine whether they're going to allow that to happen or not and where they're going to put their energy and their time and what are they going to support and how. Uh, I mean, the, what, what is the phrase? Evil only wins when our belief in winning ends or something like that you know evil wins when good men do nothing right yeah or believe that nothing can be done or whatever it is correct yeah you know and so it's uh, you know th- there's a battle that we all take part in every day individually and then collectively that expresses itself what we need is, well, a, is a coherent mechanism to express that together 
I think my thing with that is once you create something this powerful and this replicatable, it, do, it, it can't be done anymore. In other words, I believe for a fact that when the government really took on, let's get this ArcNet thing out to the public and let's put these things together, let's make this Internet available to, you know, Susie Homemaker, that they mm-hmm. did believe at that point that this will be the greatest tool of government in all history – that they will be able to send you the messages they want you to receive. They will control this. They will. And the problem for them was they didn't understand what it was. They didn't know how it worked. And then people just took it over. And, yeah, you know, they might be able to monitor your activity or whatever on it, but they, they can't control it. There's no way the government can get its arms around and control the Internet. Right. And I, the reason I don't think that government created Bitcoin I don't think government's creative enough to create Bitcoin. I, I really don't. I think they're creative enough to, to, to take it and modify it and try to co-opt it and all these other things. I don't think that governments as a whole would have ever, like after they learned their lesson with the Internet, <laughs> would have ever let this thing out of the bag if they were behind it. Now, like, I agree with you. I think it could be harnessed. But I, I can't see you know, the Federal Reserve going, oh, this is a good idea. Let's let this thing go in the ecosystem right. and see what happens. So no. look at YouTube. Look at um, SoundCloud. It's like the barrier to entry for the average person to get into the film industry. I mean, like now you have an onboarding mechanism. Technology has allowed us to do what you said earlier, like uh, upward mobility, right? Because you've got no, yeah. nobodies going onto YouTube and creating Internet sensations um, because it's open source. The barrier... The entry is no longer record labels holding down the, the artists and choosing and picking. It's like the free market decides. And so what Bitcoin is is really the YouTube of money. Now anybody can create, but that's the other thing, right? Because you'll, once you increase the, the barrier, decrease the barrier of entry, then you lose um, a lot of, uh, what's the word, um, uh, goodness or, or quality. That's the word. Um, so now you've got all these people creating their own currency systems. You really have to be savvy and say what one is quality, which one has true business uh, behind it, which one is a real deal, all of that. So it, it really puts the onus onto the buyer or onto the customer or the consumer to really know what they're, they're buying, what they're doing, what, what's going on around them. It forces them to, to increase their uh, OPSEC, you know, situational yeah. awareness, all of that. Well, and you, and just when you were talking about YouTube there, too, and, the, and, and lowering the barrier to entry. So, like, about a year ago, YouTube came up with this thing called paid subscriptions, where a person now can put, build a YouTube channel and then set up basically their own little cable network. Exactly. Right? And, and, and like, so I guarantee you that the U.S. government was not intending for that to be the result um, because let's face it, if I want to, I can start doing all my business in Bitcoin, move to Costa Rica right now, run my YouTube channel, and there ain't jack diddly crap anybody can do about it. Exactly. And so I think that, like, basically, I actually see cryptocurrencies as an ex- – I don't actually see them as something completely new onto themselves. I actually see them as an extension of the Internet. Like, this is an evolution of electronic communication. Yeah. It, it's not really, like – because I think people see it like, okay, there was, there was no wheel. Then one day a guy saw a tree roll down the thing, and he made a wheel for the first time, and it was a true new thing. Well, Bitcoin could not exist without the Internet. It is, it's like, well, they eventually put airbags in cars. Without the car, there would have been no airbags. Yeah, so without yeah. the Internet, there would have been no Bitcoin. It's this, and then things like permacredits and these new currencies are extensions of that further yet. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. You can't, and, control, you can't control one, you can't control the other. Correct. And permacredits, going way back to the original question, is an extension of what Bitcoin can do. Because like I said earlier with the analogy of you trade your, your calories and your hours for these Federal Reserve notes and, and use that as a value exchange and you're feeding that system, you have a stake in that system. It's no longer just a token that you're using to exchange. You are actually um, allowing that system to go on. You're supporting that system. So it, it, what, what Bitcoin has done and what we're, all these 2.0 protocols that have come out of it, um, you know, like permacredits, uh, what they allow us to look at money as is com- something completely different. It's not just a currency. It's not a, a stake or, a, you know, like a, an investment. It's like all of these things because we are vested in the system that we are using, right? And we want it mm-hmm. to su- succeed. So it, it allows us to look at value exchange in a different way. And it allows us to say, what is our exchange of value and what does it represent? You know, are we doing so in a healthy way or are we doing so in a way that is going to ensure our, 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 our future civilization? And, and something on that kind of vein that I think a lot of people miss with these cryptocurrencies is much has been made about the fact that they can be virtually anonymous, that there's sooner or later you can figure out what happened, where sort of kind of there's all kinds of protocols to make the anonymity even more. And then people will point out like a lot of the stuff's very public. And what people tend to completely gloss over is you can set up things on a blockchain to be 100% public and 100% auditable. That's us, right? right? Yeah. So you can run an election where there is no fraud. Exactly. You can't do it because – and not only could it be audited, but it's not some guy that they're telling you is the independent auditor. Anybody anywhere could log in and audit. It's math. Yeah, you can't change four plus four is eight. You can't you can't change that. I'm sorry, it is exactly. So in our self governance tool, there's a page that is just auditing. It's you can look at how much gold is in the reserves. You can see pictures of them, you know, through live feeds with the RFID thing, all of that, and you can also see what the the the, the voting track record is. All of all of it, real time. There's no hidden anything. There's no, I mean, literally, we could take the council and have them go do something else for a year, and the system would run itself just based on the, the algorithms and the, the mechanism. It's a, a limited form of AI, then. Yeah, but it still relies on, on the human interaction, right? Because you. you still have to have the human inputs and in actually doing stuff. So uh, it's in actually terms of human intelligence. It's human intelligence leveraged against technology is a better way to put it, then. Or, yeah, yeah, that, that would work. Also, I would say it's um, a mechanism for harnessing the collective will of people and, and executing it. Awesome, awesome. So, what, like, the other thing is, like, regulata- regulation. I mean, I, I remember when, when I, uh, what is developing new things? Like, okay, that's out of the bag, can't stop it, tigers run in, if I try to tackle it, it's going to claw the crap out of me. I have to accept this. But, you know, what's the regulatory market like when you're trying to do things it's not just value-to-value exchange. You're trying to build an entire new economy here. You're talking about holding assets. You know, like, if you tried to seize Bitcoin's assets, well, you can't, right? So, But if you're holding assets, things like that, and a government that became hostile could come in and try to seize those assets. I mean, you guys, I think you, you set up your business in Switzerland. Is that why you went there? Yeah, we actually have, we're actually in a couple of different locations. Um, and in those couple of different locations, the environment for, the regulatory environment for cryptocurrency is very favorable. And they're very into supporting new innovations and getting with the times. So we've located ourselves in, a, in actually a couple of different locations for that decentralized security in case one of them is, 
they decide, no, we don't like this, then we're like, well, we're still here anyway. You know, um, and then also the the full full rollout application will eventually be a peer to peer application that's that is run on a not a, not tour but like um, um, gosh what's the peer to peer torrent right it's like a torrent yeah. system um, yeah where it's it's totally decentralized kind of like a polycultured garden if you take out a bunch of this side of the corner of the garden you're not going to affect the rest of it you know. So yeah, ultimately, and and there's some actually really interesting projects in the in the cryptocurrency world that are looking to decentralize the internet. You've heard of mesh networks, mm-hmm. so it's a basically a global series of mesh networks, and they're they're called MadeSafe. And what they're going to do is make it so that um, if anybody decides they want to shut down the internet in the country, well, they can't really because it's running on everybody's computers, not on some centralized server platform. Cool, cool. So. What what do you see as, like, the next one to three years for permacredits? How fast are you moving with actually people being able to get involved and, and have the stuff we're talking Because a lot of the stuff you're talking about today is a great idea, but I can't go do it yet. So where, where are you at implementation-wise? Yeah, by Q4, we should have the app uh, fully functional in beta with all the people who purchased credits previous to testing it out, testing all the, the voting functions, the merit reward systems, all of that. Um, and then 2015, make it big and public, um, and then have our, our second issuance, uh, hopefully on the, the Equinox, the spring Equinox. So you just said people can't buy, but you can't, I mean... Right, okay, so I don't want to set a launch date because there's a lot of factors still in play, like um, the white paper is being written right now and reviewed by Bernard and Stephen um, and a number of other individuals in the Bitcoin space, and I want to say we want to launch on September 22nd on the Equinox, um, and we might do a pre-sale for that and just let people buy them. They won't have act, they won't be able to action on them, but it'll sort of be like a Kickstarter type thing where it's like, well, you can't really do anything with these things yet, but in, you know, three months' time, you, you'll be able to access the app or whatever it is. Okay. And uh, so what can people do right now, then, to, to help w- with what you're trying to do if they like what they're hearing? Oh, of course. Just retweet us. Uh, go to permacredits.com and get on the email list. Um, I, I treat that like uh, uh, basically, you know, I give updates, you know, once a month about where we are, where what's happening and all the new cool developments, keeping everybody involved. Um, we've got a developer team that's that we're working with. If anybody out there is developers and they, they want to be part of this, um, we're going to be open sourcing that and having a, a series of hackathons um, to help develop the, the platform. Um, but, yeah, email list and then social media, retweeting us, being our friends on Facebook and uh, all of that. Very cool, man. Well, um, I look forward to seeing this continue to develop. I remember talking to you when it was an idea. It was just an idea. Yeah. And I've seen over the months since then, not only you get closer to making the idea a reality, I've seen the idea develop, much as like the projects I've done. It's really, we're going to do this. Right. And you're like, well, that's not really the way to do this. And this is when I know I'm dealing with someone that's thinking. Is they're adjusting as they're moving to make yeah. things better before they even fully implement it? Because that's the only way you actually get things to work. So you have this, like this monster to get your arms around because you have to deal with government regulation. You have to deal with, you know, banking institutions. You have to deal with trying to be legitimate, trying to not only 
be legitimate, but look legitimate. It's one thing to be legitimate. Anybody can be legitimate. Right. But does the market perceive you that way? So it's, it's, it's pretty impressive how far you've come so fast. Well, thanks, Jack. Well, we're going to do it step by step. Roll it out. You know, the, the asset backing and demurrage and all of that. It's like there's a, a rollout uh, sequence that I have in mind. You know, we're going to open it up as a limited thing. It's going to be let's let's fund these many businesses. Let's test out the system. Let's grow it. Let, let, you know, and then as, as it becomes more robust and there's more interest, then we can start adding on the higher functions like the asset backing and all of that. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's like a progression that needs to be taken and it's one step at a time. Well, man, I appreciate you being here with us today and, and sharing all this stuff with us and, uh, and all the work you've done up to this point. And uh, remember, as things progress, this is a, uh, a friendly audience to you, and you're always welcome back here. Thanks, Jack. It's always a pleasure, man. All right, folks, and with that, this has been Jack Spierka today along with Xavier Hawk, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, and we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Revolution is you.